Thanks for tuning in. Ham Talk Live will be on the air shortly. Please stand by. Thanks for tuning in. Ham Talk Live will be on the air shortly. Please stand by. Thanks for tuning in. Ham Talk Live will be on the air shortly. Please stand by. This episode of Ham Talk Live is brought to you by Tower Electronics. For cables, connectors, and more, call 920-435-2973 or visit pl-259.com. And buy the ham station. Get your new radio or antenna by calling 800-729-4373 or go to hamstation.com. It's ham radio. everyone it's time for another episode of ham talk live it's episode number 55 ham radio on the international space station with frank bauer ka3hdo recorded live on thursday march 9th 2017 i'm your host neil rapp wb9 vpg thanks for tuning in to this episode of ham talk live tonight we're joined by frank bauer ka3hdo the International Chair for ARIS, and we'll take your calls live in just a few minutes. Last week, Michael Coulter, WHCI, was here to talk about the new home for the Dayton Hamvention. And if you missed the show, you can listen anytime. Just go over to hamtalklive.com, or you can listen on the podcasting outlets like iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play, TuneIn, SoundCloud, And you can also find us on our YouTube channel. So uh, get your space questions ready to go after we talk for a while. We'll give you a chance to call in and join the conversation at 812-NET-HAM-1. That's 812-638-4261. Or you can Skype us at the username HamTalkLive. You can also tweet us. You can tweet us a question. Right now, if you like, our Twitter handle is at HamTalkLive. So I'll be back with Frank right after this word from the Ham Station right here on Ham Talk Live. This episode of Ham Talk Live is brought to you by the Ham Station. For over 37 years, the Ham Station has sold new and used radios, antennas, accessories, and equipment to hams everywhere. Give Dan or Jeff a call at 800-729-4373 or order online at hamstation.com. Ham Station carries all the major brands like Icom, Yezu, and Kenwood, and they have a wide selection of radio scanners, MFJ accessories, Heil Sound products, and 
amplifiers by Mirage and Ameritron, Cushcraft antennas, and more. Easy online ordering is at hamstation.com or call 1-800-729-4373 to place an order and talk it over with the experts. The Ham Station, proud to sponsor this episode of Ham Talk Live. Sorry for the delay. Your host, Neil Rapp, is reading a book on anti-gravity, and he just can't put it down. Now, here's more Ham Talk Live. Welcome back to Ham Talk Live. The Ham Station has you covered. For both new and used equipment, give Dan or Jeff a call at 800-729-4373 or go to hamstation.com and be sure to tell them you heard it right here on Ham Talk Live. We're on the air every Thursday night at 9 p.m. Eastern Time right here at hamtalklive.com. And if you miss the show, you can listen to the archive on our website or download it for most popular podcasting websites. Frank Bauer, KA3HDO, has been licensed since 1974. And in 1983, in preparation for the first ever ham radio operation from space, he was responsible for setting up and operating the worldwide retransmission of the space shuttle air-to-ground communications from the Goddard Amateur Radio Club station, WA3NAN. The initiative provided a critical conduit of information to hams, attempting to contact astronaut hams before the internet came along. And uh, Frank now serves as the amateur radio on the International Space Station International Chairman. He uh, has a bachelor's and master's degree in aeronautics and astronautics from Purdue University. And his career in aerospace spans four decades within NASA and in private industry. And he was just named the 2017 Dayton Hamvention Amateur of the Year. So congratulations on that, Frank. Uh, we're going to try to talk about that on a show coming up in May, actually, uh, with all the uh, the award winners. And, and thanks to Skype, uh, I didn't get to tell you about that before we <laughs> went to the air. But congratulations and thanks for coming on the show tonight. Uh, thank you very much, Neil. And um, I'm pleased to be part of uh, Ham Talk Live. Well, I'm, I'm glad we were finally able to work it out, and, and uh, we had uh, had an opening tonight, and, and we kind of threw this together at the last second. So I'm thankful for that, and and thankful for you giving up some time to uh, share with us tonight about uh, what's going on up at the International Space Station. So um, over on uh, Newsline, I've done some stories uh, with uh, you and with uh, Rosalie, K1STO, about some of the updates that are coming along. And and one of the last ones was about the, the new uh, JVC Kenwood TMD710 that's uh, been donated and, and is going to go up to the space station. And then all of a sudden we hear, oh, wait a second, the Ericsson's back. So... Uh, I've seen a lot of people kind of saying, wait a minute, I thought we were replacing the Ericsson with the uh, mobile um, and replacing the, the old handheld. 
Uh, but then all of a sudden the SpaceX rocket shows up the other day with a replacement Ericsson. So can you fill everybody in just on, on what's happening with all of the equipment um, that's on board the International Space Station and being planned for the space station and uh, how the um, process is proceeding uh, to get that new mobile rig up there. Sure thing, Neil. Yeah, a lot of things are happening. Um, you know, space station is a very dynamic environment. There's a lot of research going on, and I've uh, got to uh, thank the ISS crew members for the time that they are giving to the ARIS program because, um, you know, frankly, uh, the research is getting more and more uh, every year, um, and uh, they're getting busier and busier, and yet they continue to support us. So that's uh, great. So on to your question relative to the JVC, or uh, relative to the Ericsson radio. So when the Ericsson VHF uh, handheld failed, it was a lot of dialogue as to whether we should uh, expend the time to um, have it replaced and how much uh, effort it was going to take to to make that happen or you know whether that would divert time from our development of the uh, of the new interoperable what we call the interoperable radio system which is the Kenwood TM the JVC Kenwood uh, TM uh, D710 coupled with the uh, interoperable or multi-voltage power supply that we're developing. So um, as it turns out, let me just say that, um, you know, we have a we have a D710 in the Russian side in the service module, um, and we have the systems in the Columbus module. And uh, the primary system that does packet is in the Columbus module. So... Um, our first order of business was to uh, get something back on the air in the Columbus module, and we still had the 70-centimeter radio. So that got installed. Uh, in the meantime, uh, we learned from NASA that it wasn't going to take uh, a very much effort to uh, basically go through the recertification process. And uh, we ran some tests with the Ericsson VHF radio, and... Um, and got it, uh, actually I was kind of astounded we got it on SpaceX 10 uh, and, and got it up there as quickly as, quickly as we did. The thing we wanted to do um, is, in the interim, utilize VHF in Columbus module because the two things. One is, if we use the VHF system in the Russian segment, then the crew members have to float all the way over to the other side of space station, which is you know, 100, 100 yards, basically, uh, to use that radio and then come all the way back again, which impacts their their ability to do research. Um, and so the other part was that the schools aren't very comfort, as comfortable in operating on 70 centimeters with the increased Doppler. So we just thought that if we can get this up there in the interim, which we did, and get it on, you know, SpaceX 10, which we did, that it would provide that interim operations so that um, the crew members would be uh, served better and the schools would be served better. So now, let me, that. yeah, let me jump in there just for a second because I've, I've gone through this once and so I understand, but some of our listeners may not understand what that that Doppler shift means when it comes time to make a 
a contact. So, so what's happening is you're actually having to change the operating frequency continually while you're in the middle of the contact. That is correct. And you, you, the amount of Doppler shift for for two meters is a lot less than it is for 70 centimeters. You know, it's basically three times more uh, on 70 centimeters. So, um, and between that and between the fact that, uh, and, and there's a number of other factors, of course, uh, you know, 70 centimeters is a weaker signal from space. And so all of that kind of came together and, uh, and, and the school's not being prepared to do, especially the ones that were coming up, uh, they weren't prepared to do a 70 centimeter contact. They'd been preparing for a two meter contact. So, uh, so we, we just kind of felt that was the right thing to do. Um, you know, we, we had a lot of, I will say this, we had in the background, a lot of debate on that topic, but, uh, as it turned out, it was not a big deal to make it happen. I have to give, uh, Lou McFadden, um, W5DID and, uh, Kenneth Ransom, um, and five VHO, uh, a lot of credit for making that all happen behind the scenes. Okay, very good. So we've got the new uh, Ericsson VHF rig up there, so the UHF can be put back away, back on VHF, until the Kenwood gets there. So update us on uh, where things stand with the uh, Kenwood Mobile. Okay, so as I said, what we're developing is a system that can be interoperable across all of space stations. So we're building a multi-voltage power supply, and uh, we've been working with JVC Kenwood on uh, a significant modification of the Kenwood radio, uh, of the uh, uh, D710, to operate uh, most efficiently in space and on space stations. So the idea is what we're planning on doing and what we are working on is to certify this system to operate in all segments of space station right now we're operating an ericsson radio in the columbus module and a kenwood radio in the russian side in the russian service module training is different you know operations are different and things like that and 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 if there's a failure it's hard to move things around. So the idea is we want to have a, a, a system that can be operated anywhere. Uh, where we are on that is uh, we had a very big and very positive um, a test at the NASA Johnson Space Center just a couple weeks ago uh, with the prototype of the um, power supply. And uh, that uh, that prototype passed all of the requirements uh, on the Russian side, the U.S. side, and the European side. So um, from that perspective, what we have now is a system that we feel confident that um, uh, we can start uh, uh, building, actually buying the parts and actually building the, uh, the power supply. Once we have this power supply done, um, then we can operate, then we can, uh, and, and we have it certified, then we can work towards uh, flying it on space station. And the reason for all the different voltages is because the, the Russian modules have a different power standard than the American side. That is correct. So the uh, Russian side runs off of 
28 volt DC and the US side runs off of 120 volt DC. Um, and so uh, we have different um, potential different inputs, you know, different connectors, uh, depending on where you are in space station that you would use for both uh, 28 volt and 120 volt DC. The other thing is, um, you know, space station can handle a uh, mobile rig. And that's been our biggest issue is that, you know, we need the 13.8 volt uh, DC outputs. And so what we've got now are four uh, op- output capabilities that can do uh, a lot of different voltages, 28 volt, um, uh, uh, 13.8 and 6 volt to support our SSTV system. And we're going to have four ports on this on this power supply that are USB 2.1 amp uh, ports that we can use for tablets and things like that in the future. So this system is being built for today's system as well as the future system. And as you know, in any situation, having the ability to plug in systems is critically important. And as an example, um, our ham television system has gone up and down, shut off and turned back on because another experiment is using the same plug, you know, the same receptacle as we are, and we have to switch it out. So the idea of this power supply is to be able to focus all of the ham radio equipment into this power supply and and um, not have this um, turn off, turn on, turn off situations that we have right now. Excellent information, and I think uh, that gives people a, a perspective on uh, the challenges of, of getting this done technically. So let's talk about some of the challenges financially uh, of making this uh, happen. So why is it the cost so high to get this radio certified, even though you know the radio has been donated? Is it's the certification and, and getting this power supply build and, and everything. Um, so why is cost um, so high on that? And then um, tell us how people can um, contribute to that cause to to uh, to get that cost met so that uh, we can get this thing uh, up in the sky. Okay, sure. Um, yes, you're absolutely correct. Is it... Uh uh, it is not cheap to, uh, to to fly equipment on a human spaceflight mission like space station. You know, I, I get a lot of people asking me, "Well, we'll we'll provide you the radio and just fly it." And it's like, no, 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 no. We can't just uh, uh, take something up there. Uh, for starters, we need to make sure we have the right voltages, and that's why we're doing this multi-voltage power supply. But the other part is there are a lot of you know, space station is the equivalent of a house, you know, but it's on orbit. And there's a lot of safety requirements that need to be met. I mean, literally thousands of requirements that need to be met. And uh, and, and basically uh, hazard reports that need to be generated and tests that need to be run uh, to validate things like making sure that the temperature of anything in space environment, which is different than on the ground, because you don't you, in microgravity you don't have convection, um, that the thermal doesn't uh, um, actually cause a uh, a heating that would actually um, you know be above what would actually hurt an astronaut. 
And then there are other things like uh, sharp edges and, you know, uh, electromagnetic compatibility and 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 uh, off gassing. You know, basically, if you took, uh, you know, some of your magic markers, if you will, you know, you can smell those things. Well, you can. Some of those are off limits on space station, and some of the materials are off limits on space station, both from a flammability perspective as well as from a, an off gassing perspective. So, all of these things need to be factored in. And um, while we have experts like Lou, myself. Mark Steiner that have done this kind of stuff in the past, we need to have an expert in there to help us with the hazard reporting. And the, you know, an expert in safety for human spaceflight missions is not a not not a cheap activity. And just to give you an idea of the costing of of hardware, um, let me just say that uh, we just did a cost. Uh, analysis, not a cost analysis, we actually did a cost inventory for the uh, multi-voltage power supply. Now that NASA has said that what the prototype we've developed um, is uh, would satisfy their requirements from an EMC perspective, electromagnetic compatibility perspective, we've put the whole parts list together, both for the mechanical and the electrical pieces. And bottom line, for the whole system, for one unit, just for parts, is about $5,500. Now, what you need to understand is, think about what we're trying to build here. What we end up building are 10 units. Not one, but 10. We need two flight units to go into the modules. We need one in the Columbus module and one in the Russian service module. We need two backup units, two flight backups, in case one of them fails. We need training units in Russia and the United States. We need testing units in the United States and Russia. In Russia. We need uh, engineering uh, evaluation units. If there's a failure or something like that, we need to have a very high-fidelity unit for that. So bottom line is uh, what we've come up with are the on the order of 10 items that we need to build. Then we have the, um, uh, the certification and the testing. And all of that gets into the, uh, you know, the certifications on the order of between uh, uh, eighty and one hundred and twenty thousand dollars just by itself. So it all adds up. It sounds like a lot of money, because it is. And uh, what I would say is that every little bit helps. You know, basically we have right now an incentive for anyone that donates, and you can go to the amsat.org website. You know, www.amset.org. If you go on there on the right-hand side, there's a donate button for Eris. If you donate $100 or more, we will provide you a uh, uh, an Eris challenge coin, one of these little coins uh, that uh, is a memento for your support to the program. If you know of comp, if you are in a small or large business and uh, they'd be interested in giving us a grant, I would suggest they contact me directly and I will work with uh, those individuals but I will say that every little bit helps and um, I want to remind everybody that you know when we produce and build and fly these systems what we're going to have is a much more powerful radio system that's on the Columbus module than we have today you know 25 watt versus what's up there now which is a 5 watt radio so it'll be much stronger. 
the packet system will be much better. We're going to have uh, voice repeater capabilities that will be uh, uh, we can use uh, uh, key down because we've we've modified the radio to handle the uh, the, the thermal requirements and you know key down continuously, if you will, for the repeater. We're going to have a lot of new capabilities on there and and much more st- a stronger system that um, uh, hams can use as well as uh, uh, the uh, the voice capability for the schools. Does that help? That does. So go to AMSAT, A-M-S-A-T dot org, and click on the uh, link there for Donate to Eris and uh, and help out as much as you can. And, uh, again, if you know someone who can, uh, can um, facilitate a larger grant, um, you can contact Frank directly. And how should they get a hold of you? Uh, best approach is use my call sign, KA3HDO. And you can either use at amsat.org or you can use uh, verizon.net. Either one of those will work for me. All right. Very good. There you have it, folks. That's, uh, that's how you can help get uh, things improved and uh, up and running uh, on the International Space Station. And, uh, you know, the schools make those contacts, but... Uh, but people are making contacts with the space station all the time uh, with uh, with digital modes and uh, and an occasional contact or two. So, um, you know, it, it benefits us all to do that. So, uh, appreciate all that information, and we do need to stop and take a break here. So we're going to do that right now. Uh, but we'll come back, and we're going to take your calls. So. Uh, give us a call, 812-NET-HAM-1 is the phone number, or send us a tweet. Uh, you can tweet us at Ham Talk Live if you have a comment or a question for Frank. And we'll be back right after this word from Tower Electronics right here on Ham Talk Live. This episode of Ham Talk Live is brought to you in part by Tower Electronics. Tower Electronics has been the Ham's Dime Store since 1978. When you need connectors, mobile and handheld antennas, cables, or adapters, visit Scott or Jill at a HamFest near you. Or you can order online at pl-259.com or call 920-435-2973. Stock up on those supplies like PL-259 and end connectors, SMA adapters, audio cables, soldering supplies, mobile antennas, and ham sticks. Their silver-plated end connectors are even used on the International Space Station. Tower Electronics carries MFJ, Comet, Daiwa, OPEC, Workman, and HamPro products. And don't miss their 0% off sale going on now. Tower Electronics, online at pl-259.com. Proud to sponsor this episode of Ham Talk Live. Ham Talk Live with Neil Rap. Join the conversation. Call us on voice with Skype at Ham Talk Live or give us a call at 812-NET-HAM-1. That's 812-638-4261. Now, here's more Ham Talk Live. We'd like to thank Scott and Jill over at Tower Electronics uh, for once again sponsoring Ham Talk Live tonight. They're at the Lowell, Michigan Ham Fest on Saturday and March 18th. They're in Toledo, Ohio. And you can call Scott or Jill at 
435-2973 or visit them online pl-259.com tell them you heard it on ham talk live and be sure to listen to ham talk live every thursday night 9 p.m eastern time right here at hamtalklive.com also check out our facebook page and our twitter feed just search for ham talk live and we're also now on instagram so it's uh, time for your calls if you have a question call 812-NET-HAM-1, 812-638-4261, or you can Skype your question. Um, our username is HamTalkLive, and we have a couple of tweets, so we'll get to those in just a second. Uh, but first, Frank, you mentioned that uh, you want to talk a little bit more about uh, some things coming up on the um, financial horizon. Yeah, I just want to mention that... Um coming uh, around the date and time frame, uh, we're going to be making some announcements of uh, some additional uh, opportunities uh, for folks that uh, do some uh, more str- uh, bigger donations than $100. So uh, realize that uh, you know not everybody can afford that, but if, for those that might uh, and, and really want to uh, give to the to this cause and, and, and help uh, amateur radio, in space station on space station help uh the schools and help the ham radio community in general that uh, uh we'll have some some special opportunities for for folks and we'll make those announcements uh, uh as we get close to dayton all right very good well we've got a couple of tweets here so that we'll start off with but um, if you want to give us a call it's 812 net ham 1 4261. Uh, our first uh, tweet comes from KM0MMM, and uh, he wants to know uh, Did the ISS to school contact on March 1st fail? He only heard um, the ISS, NA1SS, and, and didn't hear the school. So, did that uh, work out okay, uh, Frank? Yeah, I can, I can explain that. Yeah, we did have a failure. Um, uh, we had uh, basically with all of these changes that are happening. Uh, let me just say that uh, we're operating in the um, in the Russian uh, Russian side right now with the uh, the Kenwood radio. Um, with all these changes that are happening in the cruise, uh, one of the things we have done was we um, asked the crew to program the radio in the in the uh, service module. To make it easier for them to operate, and uh, uh, there were a little bit of some glitches that went along with that. So it was uh, basically that contact failed, and we're working towards uh, giving them an opportunity again. Okay, very good. And uh, Eric into KOJ is uh, going to call, but he lost his voice. So. We'll get his tweets here. Uh, Eric wants to know, um, has there been one astronaut or cosmonaut um, who was more active with Eris than um, some of the others? Well, that's that's a very good question. And I, let me just say that uh, just like everybody on Earth, every each individual is different. Um, there are... And, and even within hams, we know this. Even within the ham community, we have different uh, interests. Um, some people are do a lot of operating. Some don't. Uh, some 
like to get into experimentation. Some don't. Uh, the same is true with the astronaut core, astronaut and cosmonaut core, if you will. Um, some are extremely excited about um, about uh, talking to hams on the ground. Um, examples of that are Mike Fink, Doug Wheelock, um, as as many of you know, those names. Um, Bill MacArthur, you know, um, you know, going back in time, you know, Owen Garriott, Ron Paris, you know, those individuals are really dedicated uh, ham operators that really want to get in and, and talk to people on the ground. Some of them um, aren't and would are just interested in school contacts. Um, and then others don't even get their license. So it depends on the individual. Um, and, and I'll say even some uh, have gotten their license um, and will do things one one space station tour duty or or it's called expedition and the next uh opportunity they might not or you know i'll use uh mike fink as an example he got a good taste of it the first time and he got a better taste of it the second time in other words he did more um i will also mention that you know both mike fink and doug wheelock are going to be flying again in the future and so uh we're looking forward to them flying again and um Sure, uh, it will be. I, I got the opportunity when I was in Russia to talk to Doug Wheelock, and he's pretty excited about uh, about his next uh, opportunity. Great. And Eric also wants to know about QSL cards. Are there QSL cards uh, available for QSOs? Absolutely. If you go to the ARIS website, uh, ariss.org, um, we do have a, a link there on how to to uh, get your QSL card um, and you can get one for uh, digital communication, slow scan television, um, a reception or a two way with the crew members. So uh, you can do that. Uh, ARL is handling QSLs for the uh, some of the ARL uh, folks uh, volunteer to support that, but it's on the ARIS website. All right. Very good. Thanks for answering those questions. And uh, that's all that we have for right now. So uh, lines are open. Give us a call, 812-NET-HAM-1, 812-638-4261. If you have a question or comment about the uh, ham operations on the International Space Station, Frank Bauer, KA3HDO, is uh, with us tonight, the international chair. And He's been flying all over the globe down here, uh, and uh, he's getting ready to, to take off again, so we're glad that uh, that he was able to squeeze in some time with us this evening. So uh, let us know. 812-NET-HAM-1 is the number. And um, Eric says uh, thanks and uh, congratulations on the award. So... Um, again, we're going to, we're going to talk about that a little bit more in May, but yeah, uh, congratulations on, on getting the Dayton Hamvention Amateur of the Year. Uh, thank you. Uh, uh, I will say that I was shocked uh, and humbled at the same time when Michael Coulter gave me the call and let me know. Um, I still, <laughs> I'll say I'm still in shock and, and humbled. Uh, it, it still hasn't worn off and it won't, I think, uh. Uh, till way after Dayton, it is such an honor. Um, I look at some of the individuals. Uh, some of the individuals uh, that have gotten it are, are 
extremely good friends that I've had over the years. And I, uh, from, from the perspective of, uh, you know, Rosalie White was one of them. Um, K6DUE, uh, Roy Neal was one of them, the, the late Roy Neal. And, um, you know, there's just, and last year was Joe Taylor, a, uh, a, uh, uh, Nobel prize winner. So I just, uh, to, to, to even be called to tell and be told that, uh, I'm receiving this award is still, uh, uh, I'm, I'm wondering if uh, I'm I'm going to wake up and it will all be a big dream, you know. <laughs> Got to pinch uh, yourself a couple of times. Huh? Exactly, exactly. So. Uh, well, that's great. Uh, you've put a lot of efforts uh, into this, and uh, we appreciate all that you've done, and very deserving of that award. So we're glad that that's uh, that's happened. Eight one two net ham one. Uh, if you want to talk to the award-winning Frank Bauer, KA3HDO, about the International Space Station, give us a call, or you can tweet us. We're at Ham Talk Live, um, so we have a few minutes remaining in the show. So uh, give us a call or a tweet. Um, while we're waiting on those to come in, um, want to talk a little bit about those school contacts that those are made on a fairly regular schedule how often are those taking place and what kind of results have we seen from those contacts good question neil uh, you know we are doing about 60 to 80 schools a year um i think last year was uh, last year was 88 uh, so we did a little bit more than 80 last year um and so that represents about uh one to two a week, you know, usually a number of weeks we'll do two and some weeks we'll just do one depending. Of course, orbits are what, uh, you know, the physics of orbits are what uh, defines uh, when we do these contacts. Uh, they're, every one of these contacts are outstanding and, and uh, it just, I will say that, you know, I feel very privileged to be leading such a wonderful and dedicated team. Uh, the ARIS volunteers are amazing. And I will say that uh, uh, they get energized uh, by, you know, going to one of these contacts, either mentoring or just, uh, uh, you know, witnessing one. Because when you do that, you see the magic of amateur radio coming together with uh, human spaceflight, with, uh, with astronauts and, and the space programs. And, um, it just is, uh, it is magic, and the students are just touched so deeply. Uh, it's something that they never will forget. And above and beyond the fact that, you know, they're inspired that way, um, they go through so much in preparation for these contacts from an education perspective. They, you know, they learn about orbits. They learn about ham radio. Um, they learn about, uh, you know, I, I was down in Houston a couple weeks ago for one of the contacts, and you know, being, me being a um, a NASA person, both uh, Kenneth Ransom and I uh, did a Q and A session. Students were asking some pretty phenomenal questions about life on Mars, and you know, what would happen if this you know event uh, occurred, and what would the crew member do if uh, there was uh, some issue on on Mars or on space station. So they learn a lot from this, and uh, and and they come away with it with a much better appreciation for what it's like 
to work in a highly technical field in you know in the space program and get uh, gets a lot of them excited about working in in science technology engineering uh math and and radio careers if you will 812 net ham one is the phone number we have time for one more question so uh, give us a question on the phone at 812-NET-HAM1 or on Twitter at HamTalkLive or Skype us at HamTalkLive. Um, the uh, school contacts, you know, you've been talking about are, are great, and, and uh, we were able to do one spontaneously. We didn't get the scheduled ones, but fortunately we got a hold of a space tourist. But... Uh, what about everybody else? What, 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 you know, uh, how can people make a contact um, on their own? And um, that may need to be digital. So, so tell us how, uh, how that would work if somebody just wants to try to contact the space station. Yeah, the easiest thing to do, and you brought it up, is the, 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 uh, the digital capabilities. Uh, you know, we have uh, uh, APRS and... Um, one of the things you can do, uh, this is the way I communicate it to uh, to the students so that they understand it, is, uh, you know, APRS, basically, you all know this, you can send a little message up, um, and I, I, I refer to it as like a, a Twitter or, a, um, or an instant messenger type message uh, that, you know, people can send up to the space station, uh, it gets uh, digipeded down, and you can receive it back uh, on your radio system, as well as it's on, you know, um, on the net, on the network, uh, the website where you can actually see your signal come back as well as everyone else. And, and frankly, people have, co- uh, conversations, uh, when space station comes overhead, you know, li- little ones, you can't do a whole, you know, big, uh, conversation, but you can ha- send little messages here and there like you, you would a, a, a Twitter message or or an IM type of message. So, you know, that's the, I think the easiest and, and, and frankly, if someone wants to learn, you know, the complexities of orbits and things like that, that's a great one. You know, another thing people can do is on the ARIS website, as well as some others like ISS fan club, uh, we publish when we're going to be doing a school contact ahead of time and have all the questions on online. So um, you can grab those, uh, tune in on 145.80 uh, with your radio, uh, um, you know, handheld. You can hear part of it, but if you've got uh, a little bit of a gained antenna, it makes a huge difference, and, uh, and pick it up. Uh, we also are doing uh, occasional slow-scan television activities. We're trying to work with our Russian colleague right now and doing one in the next uh, month or two, and we'll, we'll, we'll provide that information. But there's a lot of different things you can do, and then when you have the crew members like Doug Wheelock, uh, Mike Fink, or, or Bill MacArthur, as examples, doing the two-way voice contacts um, are, 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 are the ultimate. Everybody wants to do those. and We'd love to do them all the time, uh, but it's only those special astronauts that want to do those kind of things. Well, unfortunately, Frank, we are out of time, but thank you so much for coming on and sharing all that with us. And, uh, we look forward to seeing you at Dayton, and uh, maybe we'll, we'll we'll talk to you about the the award show we're going to do here. 
um, and hopefully uh, you'll be able to, to participate in that as well. So thanks a lot. All right. Thank you very much, Neil, and I uh, thank the, uh, the, the whole um, Ham Talk Live community. All right. That is a wrap for this week's Ham Talk Live. Thanks to Frank Bauer, KA3HDO, and everyone out there in cyberspace for listening and tweeting in. And I uh, invite you back next Thursday night at 9 p.m., when Rob Macedo, KD1CY, and Lloyd Colston, KC5FM, will be here to talk about the voiceover IP hurricane net. And for a list of all of our upcoming guests, be sure to visit hamtalklive.com. So for now, this is Neil Rapp, WB9VPG, saying 7375, and may the good DX be yours. Don't, <laughs>